Hello, I'm Aya Wimala, and today I'll continue reading from Becoming Your Own Therapist by Lama Yeshe, and we'll sit. We'll have a kind of half and half, hopefully, of reading, and maybe uh, someone will have a question that they want to ask about the reading, but this is really understandable, so um, I want to encourage you to maybe get this book for yourself or download the PDF and read it whenever you want to. And what we're reading today, we're getting close to reading the whole book, but we're reading in the section, A Buddhist Approach to Mental Illness, and he started out wanting to talk about that was the uh, uh, the topic he was talking on, and he just opened it to a Q&A because he thought the questions and answers from Westerners would be more helpful for him to see what they wanted to know and what their interest was. So he's talking about, uh, he's, he's transferring that Eastern wisdom that he had and studied and uh, developed in Tibet before he came here and seeing how it applies to Westerners. So the group of people listening are Westerners. So I'm going to stop. start where I left off. I might be just overlapping a little bit. So question. Lama, as I understand it, you said that the basic problem is that individuals lose touch with their own nature. How do we lose touch with our own nature? Why does it happen? And he answers, one reason is that we are preoccupied with what's going on outside of ourselves. We are so interested in what's going on in the sense world that we do not take the time to examine what's going on in our minds. We never ask ourselves why the sense world is so interesting, why things appear as they do, why we respond to them as we do. I'm not saying we should ignore the outside world, but we should expend at least an equal amount of energy analyzing our relationship with it. If we can comprehend the nature of both the subject and the object, then we can really put an end to our problems. You might feel that materially your life is perfect, but you can still ask yourself, does this really satisfy me? Is this all there is? You can check your mind. Where does satisfaction really come from? If you understand that satisfaction does not depend only on external things, you can enjoy both material possessions and peace of mind. Next question, is the nature of each person's satisfaction different or is it the same for people in general? He answers, relatively speaking, each individual has his or her own way of thinking, feeling, and discriminating. Therefore, each person's enjoyment is an individual thing, relatively. But if you check more deeply, if you look into the profound unchangeable, more lasting levels of feeling, happiness, and joy, 
you will see that everybody can attain identical levels of enjoyment. In the relative mundane world, we think, my interest and pleasures are such and such, therefore I have to have this, this, and this. If I find myself in so-and-so circumstances, I'll be miserable. Relatively, our experiences are individual. Each of us discriminates in our own way. But absolutely, we can experience an identical level of happiness. Lama, do you solve? This is a question to him, not him speaking. Lama, do you solve people's problems by getting them to withdraw into meditation or cut themselves off from the outside world? Is this the way you treat people? And he means treat as a professional uh, psychologist. The Lama says, not necessarily. People should be totally aware of both what's going on in their own minds and how their minds are relating to the outside world, what effect the environment is having on their minds. You can't close your life off from the world. You have to face it. You have to be open to everything. Is your treatment always successful? This answer, no, not necessarily. What makes it unsuccessful in certain cases? He says, sometimes there's a problem in communication. People misunderstand what I'm saying. Perhaps people don't have the patience to put the methods I recommend into action. It takes time to treat the dissatisfied mind. Changing the mind isn't like painting a house. You can change the color of a house in an hour. It takes a lot longer than that to transform an attitude of mind. What sort of, sort of time are you talking about? Months? Years? His answer, it depends on the individual and the kind of problem we're talking about. If you're having a problem with your parents, maybe you can solve it in a month. But changing and overcoming the fundamentally dissatisfied mind can take many, many years. The waves are easy. The ocean is more difficult. Thank you. That was a very good question <laughs> about how much, what sort of time are you talking about? Next question. Do you have any process by which you select the people that you might try to help? No, we have no process of selection. People just come to you? Yes, anybody can come. Irrespective of color, race, class, or gender, all human beings have the same potential to solve their problems. There's no problem that cannot be solved by human wisdom. If you are wise, you can solve them all. What about people who are not so wise? That's a good question, too. Then you have to teach people how to be wise. Wisdom isn't intuitive. You have to open people's minds to it. Yes, and uh, Diane has put this the link up. Usually Eva does that, and thank you, Diane, for doing it today. 
Wisdom isn't intuitive. You have to open people's minds to it. Can you help children solve problems in this way? That's definitely possible. But with children, you can't always intellectualize. Sometimes you have to show them things through art or by your actions. Sometimes it's not so wise to tell them to do this or do that. And the next question, Lama, what sort of advice would you give parents to help their children know their inner nature? First, I'd probably say it's better not to intellectualize verbally. Acting correctly and creating a peaceful environment are much more likely to be effective. If you do, children will learn automatically. Even tiny chick, even tiny children pick up on vibrations. I remember that when I was a small child. When my parents argued, I felt terrible. It was painful. You don't need to tell children too much, but rather behave properly, peacefully and gently, and create a good environment. That's telling the adults that, not the children. That's all, especially when they're too small to understand language. How important is the body in human happiness? If you want to be happy, it's very important for your body to be healthy because of the close link between your physical nervous system and your mind. A disturbance in your nervous system will cause a disturbance in your mind. Changes in your body cause changes in your mind. If there is a strong connection between the two. Do you have any advice with respect to diet or sexual behavior in keeping the body healthy? Both can be important. Of course, we're all different. So you can't say that the same diet will suit everybody. As individuals, our bodies are habitual to particular or habituated to particular diets. So radical dietary changes can shock our systems. Also, too much sexual activity can weaken our bodies, which in turn can weaken our minds, our power of concentration, our penetrate or penetrative wisdom. What is too much? <laughs> Again, that depends on the individual. It's not the same for everybody. Every person's power of body varies. Check through your own experience. Why are we here? What is our reason for living? As long as we're attached to the sense world, we're attached to our bodies, so we have to live in them. But where am I going? Do I have to go anywhere? Yes, of course, you have no choice. You're impermanent. Therefore, you have to go. Your body is made up of the four ever-changing elements of earth, water, fire, and air. When you're in balance, you grow properly and remain healthy. But if one of them gets out of balance with the rest, it can cause chaos in your body and end your life. And what happens then? Do we reincarnate? Yes, we do. Your mind or consciousness is different from your physical body, your flesh and blood. 
When you die, you leave your body behind and your mind goes into a new one. Since beginningless time, we've been dying and being reborn into one different body after another. That's what we understand. Lord Buddha's psychology teaches that at the level, at the relative level, the characteristic nature of the mind is quite different from that of the physical body. Do we live in order to continually improve ourselves? When you're an old man, will you be better than you are now? You can never be sure of that. Sometimes old men are worse than children. It depends on how much wisdom you have. Some children are wiser than adults. You need wisdom to make that kind of progress during your life. If you understand yourself better in this life, do you improve in the next? Definitely. The better you understand the nature of your mind in this life, the better your next life will be. Even in this life, if you understand your own nature well today, next month your experiences will be better. Lama, what does nirvana mean? Nirvana in Sanskrit, Nibbana in Pali. Nirvana is a Sanskrit word that means freedom or liberation, inner liberation. It means that your heart is no longer bound by the uncontrolled, unsubdued, dissatisfied mind, not tied by attachment. When you realize the absolute nature of your mind, you free yourself from bondage and are able to find enjoyment without dependent upon sense objects. Our minds are bound because of the conception of ego. To loosen these bonds, we have to lose our ego. This might seem strange to you, that you should lose your ego. It's certainly not something we talk about in the West. On the contrary, here we are taught to build our egos. If you don't have a strong ego, you're lost. You're not human. You're weak. This seems to be society's view. However, from the point of view of Buddhist psychology, the conception of ego is our biggest problem, the king of problems. I like that, the king of problems. <laughs> Other emotions are like ministers. Ego is king. When you reach beyond ego, the cabinet of other delusions disappears. The agitated, bound mind vanishes, and you attain an everlasting, blissful state of mind. That's what we call nirvana, inner freedom. Your mind is no longer conditioned, tied to something else like it is at the moment. Presently, because our mind is dependent upon other phenomena, when those other phenomena move, they take our mind with them. We have no control. Our mind is led like an animal with a rope through its nose. We are not free. We have no independence. Of course, we think we're free. We think we're independent. But we're not. We're not free inside. Every time the uncontrolled mind arises, we suffer. 
Therefore, liberation means freedom from dependence upon other conditions and the experience of stable, everlasting bliss instead of the up and down of our normal lives. So I want to read that sentence again. For the two, every time the uncontrolled mind arises, we suffer. Therefore, liberation means freedom from dependence upon other conditions and the experience of stable, everlasting bliss instead of the up and down of our normal lives. That's nirvana. Of course, this is just a brief explanation. We could talk about it for hours, but not now. However, if you understand the nature of inner freedom, you realize that transient sense pleasures are nowhere near enough, that they're not the most important thing. You realize that as a human, you realize that as a human being, you have the ability and the methods to reach a permanent state of everlasting, unconditional joy. That gives you a new perspective on life. And I think that's a good place to stop. And we still have about three more really good, cute questions and answers. The next chapter, we'll, we'll get into this on Sunday. Everything comes from the mind. In this, uh, the talk he's giving, A Buddhist Approach to Mental Illness, this talk that we're reading now with the Q&A, it was given at Prince Henry's Hospital in Melbourne, Australia, March of 75. So his answers are wonderful. Um, And they're very direct, aren't they? They're not... He's not over-explaining or over-intellectualizing or over-simplifying. He's just being very straight. So why don't we sit? Let me have a little coffee. We're almost back to what feels like a kind of an early wintry day today. So I'm trying to warm up. <laughs> why don't we sit? We have, we have about eight or nine minutes. And we can as you sit quietly, you can let these uh, what we've been reading, you can kind of ruminate on those or contemplate on those. And um, you can also just allow your body to be let your body be calm and quiet. And don't worry about analyzing or doing anything like that. Just let your body relax and what you need will, what you need will just arise for you. Be aware of the breath. And just begin by really being in your body.
So let your breath go deeper as you breathe in. Begin with a few longer, deeper breaths. You can, you can feel the breath going into your stomach and even down through your legs sometimes. Just let it affect your entire body. Then come back to your normal breath. And just have your awareness on the breath. Notice the qualities of each breath. One breath may be a long inhale. Another may be deeper or shorter. Just keep coming back to the breath. It helps clear out thoughts. We're not repressing any thoughts. We're allowing them to come to the surface. And then we're just allowing them to go away because we're not focused right now on those thoughts. We're not feeding them. Other than our eyes, our sense doors are open. So we're noticing sound. We're noticing contact. Touching the skin or feeling how our body feels in the seated position it's in. How the air feels on our skin. Noticing taste and smell, but we're just being aware of those things, allowing them to be present and learning over and over again how to just be aware of them, not get caught up in them. Just be okay with whatever is. Conditions will never be perfect for us. It's only how we feel on the inside. It's only how we work with our mind to allow us to be stable and calm through all conditions. To meet whatever arises with the right attitude.
even in this difficult world with so much anguish and pain being experienced by so many, so much violence and anger and uh, kind of a kind of craziness. The world is on fire, isn't it? And uh, we can still find peace. We can still find joy. Doesn't mean we're turning our backs on the world. But we have to have those qualities in our lives to be able to keep going, to be able to be of benefit for others. So welcome joy, welcome a feeling of peace of mind, welcome being content. Welcome your friendships, welcome the kindness you see. May everything we do and say and think be of benefit not only to ourselves, but to all sentient beings. May we be the peace that's needed. May we be the refuge for others as well as ourselves. Thank you for being here with me, and I'll see you Sunday.